Welcome to Caritas Christi, a real and raw podcast with real women and real faith, where we apply the feminine genius to look at the current events of this world, our faith lives, and other things that are relevant to young Catholic women today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Thursday. Hello, welcome to Caritas Christi. This is Mary. And this is Hannah. Thank you for joining us today. And let's start with prayer. In nomine Patri, Filio, Spiritui Sancto. Amen. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora clovis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostri. Amen. In nomine Patri, Filio, Spiritui Sancto. Amen. Amen. Um, and our daily inspiration comes from um, the epistle from this past Sunday, um, and that's Corinthians 1, uh, chapter 12, verses 2 through 11. Um, and it goes, Now there, oh, sorry. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of workings, but the same God who works all things in all. Now the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for profit. To one through the Spirit is given the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another faith in the same Spirit. To another the gift of healing in the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But all these things are the work of one and the same Spirit, who lots to everyone according as he will. So, right. I think this kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, intros a little bit where our hearts are for this podcast this week, all about discernment. Um, and I think what I like about the scripture, um, it I just. I think the Catholic faith, we are just like one big body and we all have things that we bring. And it's it's cool to see how everyone's gifts are kind of um, what they are, how they are articulated or lived out. Um, so we were talking the other day, I think I was saying my gifts that I feel more drawn to are um, the gift of wisdom and healing. <laughs> Not to say I'm a wise person, but I feel like I, I, I admire Solomon and how he chose wisdom over anything else. And I think wisdom takes you a lot <laughs> far, you know, farther in life than anything else. And healing just because I just, the broken, the brokenhearted um, is where where I kind of, um, go, but yeah. What were you saying? Where you you said you're? Uh, I was saying it was more like a prophecy type person. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm usually like, it, usually probably more so for other people than for myself. Where I'm like, uh, so if you do this, this is gonna happen, and if if you continue down this path, I see this, this, and this happening to you. And I'm usually right. Unfortunately, people don't tend to listen to me and then come back and then tell me, hey, you were right. And I'm like, well, great. Uh, <laughs> now we're in a mess. So, yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably where where it is, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's I'm also thinking about the other passage of St. Paul where he's, he talks about, like you said, the body of Christ and um, some parts have different functions. And my gift is a as Referring to that part is definitely uh, teaching. <laughs> yeah. So I taught um, vacation Bible school recently and going back to school really soon. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you really do have the gift of knowledge. So I think that's really good because I feel like we bounce off of each other. Um, you make me sm sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and I help to soften the <laughs> I don't know. I'm just constantly carrying knives and I have to like them all the time. Oh, anyways, yeah, so we're, uh, yeah, so today we're talking about discernment because, you know, as we were, you know, our audience, we're talking to you, um, fellow young Catholic women, just, and, and, and this, you know, can be inspiration for anybody, but um, we're in, you know, we're in the thick of trying to discern and figure out how the heck we're supposed to live a holy life in this day and age. <laughs> Looks like, uh, enter a cloister, uh, <laughs> go so, away from the world somewhere off grid. Hashtag no. <laughs> <laughs> Tempting sometimes. 
right yeah so we're gonna talk about the our our hot take is gonna be a little bit about that and just we'll share our stories so um but before we get into that what are we what are we consuming today eating uh, well <laughs> i am drinking my cold brew mm-hmm. with some with some almond milk creamer I got my little simple syrup in there because I'm real fancy like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got some chocolate chip cookies too that we're having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. And Hannah was very generous. I just moved, and as she was aware, I do not have many furnishings, and that includes a pot to make my French roast. <laughs> or French press coffee, that's how you call it. And uh, anyways. Maybe donations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I came over, I was like, do you have a pot? Yes. So I made my coffee here. So I'm very grateful. So I was feeling the lack until about when I came here. So I'm drinking, yeah, it's uh, just a good old Maxwell half-calf and a little creamer, and then I have the cookies that Hannah provided, so... Very soul, mind, body, and soul are very happy right now. <laughs> I promise I don't have a coffee addiction, mostly. <laughs> so I usually like I usually designate coffee consumption for certain days of the week, but sometimes I will break my rule. So I'm breaking it right now because usually I consume it on Thursdays, Fridays, and Sundays. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I consume it every day, so. (laughs) (laughs) I used to do that when I went to the good old Ruby Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. I had a coffee addiction, and then I went, because I'm insane, I went cold turkey. You are, yeah. (laughs) Hannah doesn't go, Hannah doesn't go halfway. (laughs) She goes all all or nothing. So anyway, so, um, yeah, grab a cup of coffee or whatever you would like to uh, consume while listening to us, and we're going to just dive into it. All right. So welcome to episode number four, Hot Takes. We are talking about discernment for the most part today. So that is going to be what I'm going to start off with is my discernment hot take, which is at all the boomers out there. (laughs) We We love you, but... (laughs) But this is... This is where I hear it from the most. Just saying, it's usually somebody like over 60. <laughs> um, not really the 30, 40 year olds that have this going on. Where, let's say you're a boomer and you see a nice young Catholic at mass, you know, you're at daily mass and you see, oh, there's this young Catholic person that maybe they came alone and you talk to them after mass. And you say, wow, you, you, you know, you're going to daily mass. You should be a nun. <laughs> or you should be a priest. If you saw them altar serving or you, you just saw a young man who, who was at mass. Um, usually the standards are a bit lower for the young man, I'm sorry. Uh, usually it's like, oh look, he went to mass on Sunday, like <laughs> once in this past month. Hey, you should be a priest. <laughs> like, oh, good heavens no. <laughs> But yeah, just because you're committed to your faith doesn't mean you have an obligation to be a religious at all. Um, because we need holy people in all areas and walks of life. So you have to discern what's right for you, and don't worry about what Susan told you after your daily mass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's... Um... So basically the hot take is... Can you... <laughs> Reiterate. Yeah, reiterate. Yeah. So you don't owe the church a religious vocation just because you're committed. Yeah. And I mean, I will say it's not just boomers because I, you know, I, when I went, I went to oh. a private Catholic school, and they're like, oh, you actually like, you know, live <laughs> live your Catholic faith. Oh, you're going to become a nun one day, and it always graded me. Or again, it's like I was involved in the the pro life work, and I had I done like I was a pretty pretty bold, still bold kid now <laughs> but I, br- I brought a, a pretty popular pro-life speaker to the area and so people were really impressed and I had a lady grab my arms and be like you're gonna be a nun one day and I was like you don't even know me <laughs> it's always it's it just oh my gosh it just made me so mad because I was like who are you so um yeah I don't know I guess I'll just jump in so it's so funny as you know we were talking about discernment because I came up yesterday um and we're like that's what we're going to talk about today and then like come thinking and preparing um it's funny because most of the time with discernment stories it's for like religious life actually <laughs> yes <laughs> so um you're but, inundated with 
I was engaged, and then I decided I needed to be a nun, and it's like, does anyone stay engaged? <laughs> mm -hmm. but there are also good marriage discernment stories, but I feel like because people want an influx of religious vocations, they tend to spotlight the re religious, bleh, religious vocation stories more, because... Mm -hmm. That's how media works. You you spotlight what you want people to see and think about. So then people think, oh, if you're a faithful Catholic, then you're just going to go into religious life. And it's like, no. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's not to, um, I think we want to say it's not just, not just, but, our, you know, we're, we're called ultimately to a vocation to the um, universal call to holiness. Mm -hmm. So we're called to be holy in our daily lives. And that's, you know, and it, I think it can be frustrating as a young adult because you're like, I don't even know, like, how, like, I'm trying to just function, <laughs> let alone trying to discern where I'm supposed to go. You're like, I, I have thoughts and whatnot. Um, and I think it's not to take away from the religious life and the priesthood, because that is beautiful, and as we said before, it's essential. Um, but I think we put it on a, like an unhealthy pedestal, and it, it puts pressure on us because it's like, oh, we don't have the nuns, and that. I mean, I guess that's kind of. I'll kind of go into my dis, like I guess my discernment story, or just struggles with trying to figure out my vocation, um, and not that I'm in it yet, but you know, in the, in, on the path of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's growing up, like I, I've, I've, I pretty much like since I, I don't know, like maybe fourth grade, I remember just feeling like I had marriage written on my heart. I'm not married yet, but. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, fourth grade, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not married right now either. <laughs> okay, Happily dating, but. <laughs> I was going to say. I should be invited. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Um, anyways, but. Um, yeah, I, I always felt like I had that on my heart, but then you, you know, you get that Catholic guilt and you hear like, oh, well, you know, we need more um, religious sisters and nuns, so you're like, you're raised to be, you know, I was raised to like fill a need that is, you know, need to be filled, and so you felt, I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. I felt really guilty, um, though I will say I was blessed because um, my parents were part of a really beautiful, you know, um, charismatic Catholic community growing up. It ended like the year I was born, but there was still that, that community that was still around us, um, and a lot of my mom's friends and <clears throat> relatives became um, religious sisters and nuns, so, uh, or yeah, they became nuns, so, um, yeah, I was around that from the time I was, you know, just growing up, like, I was pretty, a lot of people are like, I've never seen a nun, I'm like, I've never not seen a nun, <laughs> I'm pretty, yeah, not, not every day, but I, you know, I had been to the cloistered convents, and, you know, yeah, yeah, one of them was, is a cloistered, um, but yeah, there's a Nashville Dominican in there, and yeah, so they run the whole gamut. Um, yeah, so I was pretty familiar with that. Um, so I had beautiful examples, um, but I will say, like, it was even frustrating, you know, going to Franciscan because <laughs> <laughs> there was all these religious all over the place, and that's when you're really, like, kind of getting into discerning, you know, you're, you know, 18 through 21 years old, and you're trying to figure out, you know, um, or 22, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, it took me a couple years at Franciscan to not look at a religious sister and feel guilty. Mm. You're like, oh, my gosh, this person is holy, and I feel very, like, I feel very self-conscious around them because I don't feel like, like, I'm called to the religious life, but I feel like, I feel like I'm less than because of that and, you know, all this other stuff. And I, rem I do remember I did have a turning point, I think probably, like, it was my junior year, um, where I just remember, like, sitting there, because I, I had actually even had a priest come up and say he's really holy. He was, like, I, going to, I went to confession, um, and this was during my college years, um, and I was like, I just, I don't know which I'm, what I'm called to, religious life or married life. And yeah, he's, he's pretty saintly and he's really holy. And he's like, you're called to married life. I was like, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> this holy priest said it. Yes. So, yeah. So, and, and that's another thing about discernment with, with married life. Like, they don't talk about all the spiritual warfare that goes on with that. Like, you just think, like, you're like, oh, you just, you got to wait to find, the f you know, your, your future spouse and get married and you have a bunch of kids and that's great. But it's like, no, the devil does not want holy marriages and holy families. So, it's really hard and it was really hard during college life to just, you know, be, you know, be at Franciscan, and um, I mean, I think it's great that they do such, have such a support for, you know, people, like, they had all these discernment retreats for people um, discerning religious life, and they had a priestly discernment program and whatnot, and that was great, but it's like, um, hello, <laughs> all of us in the married aisle, you know, the feeling the call to the vocation of marriage, and, um, 
Yeah, I did have a turning point when I was like probably a junior of um, like being at mass and looking at a religious sister and realizing like, well, one, I didn't feel guilty. Like I just felt this place in my heart healed where I was like, whoa, they're just really beautiful. And that doesn't make me any less. It actually is like, I'm over here living my like vocation to holiness and the way God's calling me and mm -hmm. they're inspiring me to live in that way and it's really beautiful, but that doesn't mean I have to go join that, you know? Um, so it was really like separating that and then really growing in that. Um, and then actually it was really beautiful because when I came back, when I you know graduated and came back to the Akron area, I befriended one of the TOR sisters because um, she'd been up in the area doing ministry. Um, and yeah, yeah, so I befriended her and it was just, I don't know, like having those friendships and there's a couple of friends I made through the, um, the TORs, the sisters down there. And those are really like healing friendships to be like, oh, they're actually, I feel like when you realize that they're actually people, that really does take Mm -hmm. That sounds so silly even saying that. Yeah, I know. Like, they're actually people. Um, I mean, obviously, like, they're really, yeah. And I, so I'll, I'll kind of, like, kind of close by saying, I do, so I had invited, so, I, you know, I'd become familiar with the TOR sisters down at Franciscan just by being at Steubenville, and then I invited one of them up to do um, a talk for the young adult group that I was in charge of. Um, and I actually was like, wait, we have this really beautiful religious sister. So she, <laughs> we ended up like, she went and did, she hung out with the mom's group in the area. She hung out with the youth group. She did stuff with the school. Excellent. And I remember going to the school mass with her. And you know, a lot of these kids haven't seen a religious sister and it had it and stuff. Sad. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I just remember like, you know, and I she's cool because I was following her up to communion mm -hmm. and it was cool to see all the kids be like, whoa, there's something there that is I've not seen before. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we talk about religious sisters and their nuns and how they like literally point us to heaven. And it was just like so beautiful to experience that, just to like be right behind her. And it's like, wow, this is such a beautiful example. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it kind of came full circle. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... You know, I wonder, like, you know, I, I would love to hear stories about, you know, if you feel, you know, obviously like we have people discerning religious life and in the consecrated life, and that's really beautiful, but, like, what is your discernment been like for marriage, married married life? Um, you know, I know a lot of people are like, are like, oh, I feel like I'm called to religious life, and then they realize they're not. Actually, one of my best friends was actually, like, in a Carmelite convert, convent, and then she got out, and now she's happily married and expecting, and, you know, that's really exciting. Um, yeah, I myself have always just pretty much felt like I was called to married life. Um, so yeah, and I mean it's now. I mean actually, it's I'm in my late twenties, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know what. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I'm now just you know having my first, I guess, serious dating relationship, I guess mm -hmm. in a way. Um, so you know it's I've not been in. I don't know. I wasn't gonna waste time. I was waiting for like the right one to come along. So, um, yeah, <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you can be like so picky, but yeah, you have to be picky for like your standards and whatnot. So, um, like any of the friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, like, <laughs> to be honest, I, I just, I mean, I feel like a lot of the guys, like, I think they were figuring themselves out and I was like, I just want somebody who is actually, actually before I met my now boyfriend, I literally was like, I want someone who sounds and looks manly. <laughs> She's a man and has a personality. Wow. So. <laughs> really just got added. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> you just added everybody else. Added? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So, like, you, you kind of, like, mention, mentioned that the, the people before were not as manly. <laughs> she said it, not me. <laughs> she pulled that out. I mean, there was, okay. there was a couple of guys at Franciscan that were definitely like that, but, you know, God, I don't know. I just felt... Hey, we should <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what? Oh, no, I just, I don't know. I think I've always, I, and I wonder if a lot of other people have a similar experience where I just, I, there's a lot of stuff I worry about in life, but I never felt worried about me meeting my future spouse. Like, I always, like, had this, like, innate, like, trust in the Lord that, like, he would 
bring it around and I, you know I know a lot of women like they have this like oh well it was me like am I ever gonna meet him and I was like oh, I'm gonna meet him <laughs> I hope not like you know not I, I want to have baby you know kids and stuff so not, not in your 50s no not in my 50s you know but I just was like God's gonna work it out and I mean it's it's worked out so far I mean you know I'm doing pretty good so, you know, I mean, not, not a veteran in this dating life, but, <laughs> you know, figuring it all out. So, and that's, an, I think that's another thing, too. It's like, you don't have to have tons of boyfriends either, you that's know? True. I feel like I had a lot of, going to Franciscan, you are surrounded by a lot of good male, you know, I had a really a lot of great male friendships, so I learned a lot about guys there mm -hmm. and what I was looking for and what I wasn't. And even, Tom. what? <laughs> <laughs> guys are dumb? Yes. No, we love them. No. Yeah. You know. Well, we're all broken and yes. wounded, and so we, you know. Yeah, but I'm just kidding. I like to, I like to rip my guy friends. Be like, when you do. <laughs> I will say, actually, though, one of a couple of um, friendships I had at Franciscan with guys, um, they actually like were I, I never even knew, knew to look for this but they actually um brought a lot of healing for me in my heart mm -hmm. like just by being friends with them they healed places that of like woundedness that i had you know gotten before i came to college and they just they just healed that spot there and it was just like wow that's really beautiful how god works and that you know he really the complementarity yeah um that's, but yeah it's good for the soul yeah so and then <coughs> you know coming back home I've been blessed to have a lot of great, great male friendships as well. So all of them that have become like big brothers and very protective over me. And mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, so don't, let, don't mess with Mary. <laughs> army. I really do. I have an army of friends and family. So, <laughs> so anyways, yeah. So, um, sorry, that was kind of a long-winded story. But, yeah, uh, those are tidbits of discernment. And we're, you know, just trying to figure out. I think it's, you know. Starting with a place of like you're made and loved by God and he wants what's best for you and he's not going to go like, you know, obviously eventually like, you know, his will is better than ours and he knows his ways are better than ours. But like he honored like our desires are there for a reason. They're like they're like they're so they're really healthy. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and it's, it's not I don't know, like trying to figure it all out. It's not easy. I think, you know, and Hannah's going to talk about that. So, um, but yeah, do you want to share? <laughs> so Hannah, discernment. <laughs> so I'll just ask you questions because I feel like there's a lot of. <laughs> talking about being a veteran. I'm a, I must be a veteran because I got PTSD. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm like, um, I mean, what would you like to share? I mean, you feel like what? you. You, I mean, you're pretty sure that you're called to the vocation of marriage, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, she's single. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have our email on our podcast, so. <laughs> it's my eyes. You, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be vetting you. Me, me and my boyfriend will be vetting you. Snatch your IP. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, she's actually a really great girl, so. <laughs> <laughs> She's blushing now. Mm. No, Hannah doesn't blush. Mm -mm. No. <laughs> All right, well, you, incapable. <laughs> well, you need to share your discernment story, uh, otherwise I'm like, you making you. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it's been a lot of back and forth, but I feel like this is a common thing in our our generation of Catholics is uh, a certain amount of vocational anxiety, like. Uh, just am I choose? Am I gonna choose the right thing? Uh, what if, uh, what's gonna happen if I don't choose the right thing? Blah blah blah. There's there's that. There's also there's also the guilt and you know that's just drilled into you. Pray for vocations to the religious life and it's like yes, we do need them. Um, and I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm definitely not knocking the religious life. That's not. Here's the thing, is that. Religious life is the supernatural vocation, and marriage is the natural vocation. And the reason why religious life is the supernatural vocation is because, by nature, they are giving up marriage, which is so awesome. Marriage is so amazing that because religious give it up, that's what makes it like supernatural and extra special in the way that they contribute to the kingdom of heaven on earth and then a married couple 
is a vision of the Trinity on Earth. So they're both, they both point back to heaven in different ways. So one isn't necessarily better for you to choose over the other, although religious life is technically better <laughs> by nature of the thing that you're giving up is so amazing and so good and beautiful. So that's what people tend to miss because religious life is special because marriage is so special. Mm-hmm. Not they, they need each other to have that holy, holiness and complementary like added within it. And I also, I also want to always tell people who tend to focus too much on the religious life aspect, it's like, guys, where do you think the vocations to the religious life come from? <laughs> I mean, sure, there are people who convert into the church, and um, I know your boyfriend is one of them, has, has a conversion like yes. story type going on, but there's also, like, another way to get vocations is you were raised in a Catholic family that's open to life, and I mean, if, the more kids you have, the more likely that one of them will be uh, re- religious. It's not necessarily like you should have ten kids in the hopes that one of them will be one. <laughs> you know, just be open to life, and I think that is undervalued, just like because we don't have communities around priests and around nuns and sisters and, and brothers. We don't have those communities around them if there is no married Catholic couples. Mm-hmm. So we, no, we, we shouldn't be neglecting that mm-hmm. in, in favor of, because yes, we want to support people who are discerning a vocation to the religious life, but we should also support people discerning to married life just as much because it's just as important and they mm-hmm. contribute very much to the propagation of the faith and the, the catechesis of of children later on, and so, that, so there's so much that married couples do, and you don't want to discount that. So you want to <laughs> you want to kind of like remove that that little that little bit of clericalism that underruns some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But you you also want to recognize that it's the supernatural vocation. You got to like balance it. Mm-hmm. And basically, what my story is, I don't know, I don't know, it's basically, I think I'm called to the married life, I probably am, because I would make an awful religious sister or nun, I think, <laughs> unless, uh, unless one of my friends and I start an order, because we joke about doing that all the time, which we like, who knows, so, Brennan, right now I am just, my vocation is teaching, <laughs> uh, just focusing on the little V vocation, because the big V one is being elusive. So we're just gonna keep going with that because I'm clearly meant to be at the school where I'm at. So I'm just gonna keep running with it. Although I have that, I actually have re- prepared a response because a lot of people on the Catholic Discord server where I am, or just a lot of people in my life in general have trouble discerning what they're supposed to do with their life. And it might just be like little decisions too. It doesn't have to be, what am I gonna do with my life, how am I going to give my life back to God? Is it going to be as a religious? Is it going to be as a married person? So it's not just that. It's like, should I go on this retreat? Which college should I go to? <laughs> you know, because these these little decisions also factor in to your sermon. Because, like, a little decision may end up impacting your life later on. Like, uh, my mom was deciding between a few different colleges, and then she went to one college, and she met my dad. So <laughs> there was one college that she was actually supposed to go to. So even the little, the, like, the smaller stuff does play a part in, in your journey. And so I have five discernment tenets that I wrote down. And this is just basically a condensed version of the talk that I gave to the Walsh uh, women's group a long time ago. But it's like a response to just how guilt-ridden most Catholics in this generation are over their vocation. Should they just be religious because there's a shortage, or their parents think they should be one, this, that? The short answer is no. Uh, The long answer is in these five tenets that I wrote down. So tenet number one, um, be careful with, with, quote, signs, end quote. 
They may have just shown up because you're looking for them. Be aware of your own biases and take everything to prayer before attempting to assign a meeting. So sometimes you're looking for a sign, you, you're going to be, like maybe you're praying a novena and you want an answer to, it, to an intention. Before you start like glomming on to everything that you see, you're gonna want to make sure to take everything to prayer. Maybe if you're like a journaling type person, you can write things down, come back to it later. Really pray with the stuff that's on your heart because you don't want to, like one certain instance sometimes isn't, isn't a sign. And um, there's a lot of like manipulative tactics out there. Because um, I've been to like several talks where it was like, you know, if you're discerning something, guess what? You're called to religious life. And they like said that in their talk. And it was like, I'm not going to join a, a convent or a cloister or so, something just based on this one person putting that in their talk. And they probably say that every time. So definitely consider <laughs> the situation itself and what the merits of that sign is. And yeah. if, something, if it's something like, it could be something more earth-shaking or specific but you can definitely come back to it. And usually if it kind of like sticks in your head and you discern, you know, the efficacy of it, like, oh, is that something this person says every time? Or did somebody pull you aside, like on the ninth day of your novena and was like, you know what? I think you would re really make a good mom or I think you would really make a good priest or something like that. Then that is kind of like, oh, well, maybe. Cause that the Cohen's, the timing is also very important. So sometimes if you're waiting on something and the timing is just right, that could that could be another mm -hmm. another hint. So I will say recently I had this experience too, um, where um, so I had not in this relationship with the past one mm -hmm. that was pretty recent too. Actually, um, that was like January through February kind of time frame. Well, more December through February. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I realized, like, actually, I like the homily from this past Sunday. Um, the priest was talking of, like, um, like we just have to realize, like, who we are. Like, humility is knowing who you are, knowing exactly who you are, and, like, knowing that you're a sinner. And I think with this past one, I realized, like, I no longer trust my own discernment on things. <laughs> because I totally discern it. Like, I, because when I, when I first encountered this person, um, I just was like, I felt like God put them in my life, and it just felt like this big um, emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this must be the one. Um, and then it ended up not being the one. <laughs> yeah, which now looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but in the moment, it just, yeah. So um, I don't know. I think in this in this current relationship i think that this sermon for me like i was like i don't know if i even trust myself and i think where i started was like it's not for the big stuff it was just more like okay this is right this is like the right thing like this feels right where i'm at mm -hmm. um and then the other thing um is also a spiritual director is huge and having people that you talk to so like i had a um i have I had a friend who was a priest and he, you know he's like a brother to me so he kind of counseled me through a lot um and then i've um I'm going to be start, starting to meet with a spiritual director um, coming up here. Um, so really, like, I mean, obviously, as she said, it's like having a prayer life, being in the sacraments, and then also having people that you can talk to because they can see things outside of you because it, it's really, you know, yeah. I feel like you are, we are our own worst enemies. Um, and then I think the biggest thing, like one of the biggest things for me is like follow the peace. Uh, because I think looking back in that that relationship, there was no peace there. <laughs> I thought I, I I don't even know like it, it but it felt a lot of like it, it actually felt like there was a lot of like manipulation of stuff and it really you know like seeing signs where there wasn't signs and mm -hmm. so now it's just like just being so like humbly open and just like taking every day for itself and um, yeah so. <laughs> on to the second tenet of discernment, and I have five. So the second tenet is 
The absence of one vocation's advancement does not mean the presence of another calling. So, for example, if you don't have a significant other at the moment, that doesn't mean you're called to the religious life. God works in his time, and just because some things aren't working for you right now doesn't mean that you're called in what many consider to be the opposite direction. There are also vocations to the single life, so you can also be discerning that as well, and your vocation does change throughout your lifetime. So. At one point, maybe you're called to be living the single life, and then at another point, you're called to be married, or maybe you're called out of the single life into the religious life. Your vocation isn't something that's necessarily static. It changes, and there are many stories about saints who were married, and then their spouse passed away, and they joined an order or started an order. There are lots of stories where that happened as well. So. The saint that did that didn't necessarily say, oh, well, my spouse is dead, I guess I could do the reverse, because there are other saints who simply just lived the single life after they were married. So it's about discerning where God wants you, and just because one door isn't all the way open right now doesn't mean it's going to be closed forever. But if some doors keep closing, like like uh, Mary and I's friend who was in a Carmelite convent and things just kept going wrong with that repeatedly, then you might consider, wait, am I, am I thinking about what God wants for me? And that doesn't mean that just because you had like one or two failed relationships that you're, you're, you have to go be a priest or a nun. That's not how that works at all. And God calls everybody in different ways. So you just have to be careful about thinking that you're called to something just because nothing's happening in one area. That's not always going to be how God calls you. Sometimes it could be one of the signs to be like, oh, well, this isn't really working for me. But then it has to coincide with a bunch of other things for you to consider it in your discernment. And number three was (laughs) what I started off with as my hot take. Just because you're a committed Catholic does not mean you should be religious. Doesn't matter what the boomers tell you. And like Mary clarified, it's not just the boomers. Um, She actually had to go. So this is just me. You got me. And it's not just the boomers. It's actually usually um, within the church. It's usually the boomers. But then outside of the church, it's like anybody who has never seen anyone who actually cares about their faith. Like... And then that's all they know about Catholics. It's like, oh yeah, you can be a, you can be a nun. Like, uh, great. Um, <laughs> just because I go to mass every week, like, wow, high standards. So, definitely don't listen to people who rarely interact with other people who have a serious commitment to their faith, because that's usually where it comes from. Is like the older people in church don't realize that there are a lot of young people that are committed to their faith and it doesn't mean that they have to enter religious life or that they should. And the young people who are outside of the church and have never really experienced being around somebody who takes the tenets of the Catholic faith and lives them in a way that just reflects their religion, they think that's crazy and like, oh, well, you must become some kind of out loud liar, like a priest or an unto to them because that's what, like, you're strange and that's where strange people go. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that you need to do that. So that's number three. Number four, and I think this is the most, uh, the one that brings people the most peace and the one that's really helpful. Um, So if you remain in a state of grace as best you can and you continually pray for guidance, you can't choose incorrectly. So all that anxiety about, am I going to choose correctly? And and this, if you're in a state of grace, constantly praying, discerning, taking, taking things to God, he's not gonna, he's not gonna let you down. He's not gonna let you choose the wrong thing. And I think this is kind of an interesting concept to explore, whether there's actually a wrong thing or whether, you know, God has a permissive plan for your holiness. Because you can have sanctification through life if you are constantly uniting yourself to God, no matter what kind of life that is, as long as you are following 
his commandments that he gave you through the Catholic Church. So, again, stay in the state of grace, pray for guidance, and like Mary said too, surround yourself with people you trust because those people can give you good advice even when you can't see the stuff that's right in front of you. And last one, number five, whenever you find it to difficult to discern a personal personal decision spiritually that's just one that's not morally right or wrong like deciding which college to go to deciding whether you should go on a discernment retreat deciding which parish to join those kinds of smaller decisions that will still affect your spiritual life discern logically first so if it's college like you know you make a list of pros and cons like what happens if i go here what happens what i what do I not like about this place? What do I not, what I, what I like about it? Discern logically first. So you can bring it down. If it's something financial, you can bring it down to cost. You can analyze those things because sometimes if you're not sure, the best way to go about it is logically. And sometimes then you'll have a Holy Spirit moment where you're pulled to something that doesn't really seem logical. But whenever you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, telling you to go the other direction that sometimes doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, then you're going to go with it. But only if you discern things logically first can you see if you're being pulled in a certain direction, or if you're not. And if you're not, then, yeah, sorry, <laughs> then you're good. Um, and if you can't discern logically, because some things you can't necessarily discern entirely logically, like you can make a pros and cons list for your for college, but maybe, maybe they're about the same. Maybe you're not sure which one to go to. Maybe you're not sure. Sometimes there's a, um, a certain amount of un unknowns involved. So then you got to think about some things and, um, when you can, uh, if you can't discern logically, just leave the door open. Uh, that's one thing that I learned a lot is that God is great at closing doors. So if he doesn't want you to do something, he's not going to let you do it. And if he does want you to do something, and especially if Mary wants you to do something, she is going to take over and make sure that it happens. Like <laughs> I was talking to Mary earlier this morning when she first came over to record and telling her about how I had never really wanted to travel, had never had no desire to go to Europe really, but then I ended up actually going in the spring of 2019. I went on a, a big pilgrimage and Mary really worked that one out for me. And I discerned that through like people who were close to me, advised me that I should go, that it would be a good decision. And I kept having this pulling in my heart, even though I, really didn't have a huge desire to go. It seemed pretty cool. I was like, all right, like <laughs> what's wrong with a trip to Rome? But also there was costs and all this, all this stuff that I was worried about. And it didn't seem like a super logical decision, but then I had that, that pull on my heart and that call on my heart and people around me were saying like, no, you should, you should do this. Like, and then I was like, okay, well, it seems like I'm being pushed in this direction. So I just took the next few steps and left the door open, so to speak. And then the door went wide open and I was lucky enough to travel to Rome and Lourdes and Medjugorje and Paris and see all those beautiful places for myself. And yeah, and I w it would have never happened it had I just been like, well, logically I can't afford this. Um, doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm already paying so much for college. If I had just done the logical route and not listened to the pulling at my heart and listened to the people around me, then I would be in a different spot. So it, it just kind of depends. If you have that tug in your heart and there are people you are close to telling you you should pursue something, then it's definitely worth considering or at least leaving the door open like I did and then God can do the rest. Or you can leave the door open and God will close it. And uh, that's kind of how it happened when I was searching for my first teaching job. Like I thought I wanted it. I interviewed very early on for another position. I thought I really wanted to be there, but the door was like closed instantly. I was like, oh, darn. Well, that's disappointing. <laughs> and yeah, I was pretty disappointed about it. But then a few months later, I was out hiking and then I got a call, ended up from being from 
who's now my principal. And when I went into that interview, everything just flowed and I wasn't nervous. It was just like the Holy Spirit took over. And then right after that interview, I got offered the position. So really when God works, you'll you'll feel it. And sometimes maybe you won't feel it until later or see it until later. But it's all about making the best decision that you can with the information that you have and then letting God do the rest. So those are my discernment tenets. Hopefully that helps. If you have any other discernment advice, for people or would maybe would like to share your own story, we'd definitely love to hear from you. So definitely hit us up at our email or on our social media accounts if you'd like to share your story. All right, we're moving into our current events section. This is Hannah again taking uh, taking this part over by myself because Mary had to leave for her spiritual direction, so praying for her as she's doing that during our recording. Um, we ran out of recording time this week, but I'm here to give you the lowdown on current events. So I guess I can start with something that ties into what we were talking about last week. Um, we actually didn't talk about this specific story. Um, so I think it was last week around Tuesday, Wednesday, that Simone Biles, uh, she like pulled out of the gymnastics competition, like in the middle of it, while like, while the whole team was still competing. And it's, it was basically like, it was a very polarized uh, decision on her part. So there were people who saying like, oh, she's doing the best for her mental health. And then there then there were other people who were saying, oh my gosh, like she let down her team, like she's being selfish, this and that. And so the way I, I like leaned one way initially and then I like kind of came back around. So the way she said it was, seemed to be, I don't know, like it seemed to be pretty self-centered and um, could definitely be spun a certain way. So I, I was kind of like skeptical when she first started talking about, oh, I had to do what's best for myself. So like that language just kind of like turned me off a little bit. Um, and I know it's uh, a common thing to talk this way, like in, in the culture, but it's something that turns me off just as somebody who's Catholic and knows that we have a duty to sacrifice for others and, and, and things like that. But after about, it's been about five, seven days since, since that initial incident and just been like looking into it more and watching, cause I actually didn't get to watch the competition. I just saw, you know, <laughs> you see the little clips and stuff and that's where media can really be deceiving is you just see the little clips and the bits and pieces of things. And then you're drawing conclusions from what you saw. So that was, a, that was pretty misleading. And so once I had time to absorb more of that story and I saw um, there's a video where she does the vault and that was right before she like took herself out of the com um, the competition you can see her like she she majorly like flubs up and like that's not something she usually does like she's usually pretty solid you know that she's done the most beautiful vaults i've ever seen just sticks the landing insane it's it's crazy um but in that she like seemed to like lose her place and she lands and she looks like super super scared just just like what happened like she doesn't know where she is and like um she seems very frightened um and recently on her Instagram, she posted a video of her trying the uneven bars with like some pads under her. I'll have a link to these videos so you can see this for yourself too. But she's doing the uneven bars and does the rotation where she comes off and like, kind of like a flip and you, obviously you need to land on your feet. And she's doing this on like a, a big cushion, but she tries to do the flip and she lands flat on her back. And she's fine because she's using the practice cushion but imagine if she had had been competing and tried to do that and it's actually something that gymnasts experience which i didn't know because i'm not a gymnast it's called the twisties so they basically don't know 
where the floor is and where the ceiling is. They like lose themselves in the midst of a flip or a twist or something and can't find where they're supposed to land. Now, <laughs> I mean, some of you might be scared on roller coasters. Now imagine you're just flying through the air and you're the one who has to figure out how to land and you don't know how. That is insanely scary. So I definitely don't fault her for pulling out. That's probably what she needed to do for her safety. And con considering the vault that she landed before, um, she wasn't really going to help out our team much with, with the way that she was performing. So I think that was probably, in hindsight, the best decision for her. And I definitely hope that she conquers that issue. Um, I don't know whether she'll come back to the, the Olympics the gymnasts usually. They usually last about a, a, an Olympics or two, so this is probably her last one, but I just hope that everything is okay for her because that, that has got to be super scary. And I, I, had, I had thought the way that she worded it was like a little eh, but her teammates definitely supported her. So that was one way that you could tell that it wasn't just a selfish decision. They seemed to be uh, very supportive of her, like making that decision in order to protect herself and probably for, for the better of the team even though like it was it was in, it was like inconveniencing them because <laughs> if you land flat on your back in the uneven bars you're really not going to help your team win the gold medal it's just not going to happen so yep that's uh your update on Simone Biles that's my thoughts and uh and now to the not so fun stuff again last gosh i think it was last week yeah it was last week um CDC revamped their whole mask and everything stuff again. So before it was wear a mask no matter what, uh, bleh, wear a mask no matter what, even if you're vaccinated, and then it was vaccinated people don't want, need to wear masks, and now they're saying they do again, and they also released guidance for like schools saying you should wear them inside even if you're vaccinated, and even if... Yeah. It's... It's all so stupid because it's just the back and forth. And here's my take. I'm not going to go super into it. I'm just going to keep the current events kind of short this time. But basically, we have to decide a few things. Do, do masks work for viruses at all? Because either they do or they don't. It doesn't matter about what variant it is or all this other stuff. Either they do work or they don't. And, you, and when you're saying they do work or they don't, you have to consider the way that most people, not all, but most, the way that most people wear masks. And most people are wearing cloth, cotton masks, some, something like that. They're not wearing an N95, they're not wearing a surgical mask, and they're wearing it over and over again. They're not replacing it between uses. They're not washing it between uses. They're wearing it over and over again, washing it maybe weekly. <laughs> most people, I mean, there's some people, there's obviously always exceptions, but most people are keeping the mask in their glove box and they grab it whenever they need it to go somewhere because it's required or something like that. They put it on and then they take it off and they put it back in the glove box for all that moisture to simmer and grow some nice little bacteria and things to put right back on their face. Um, or they wear it all day and that moisture is just trapped in your face and you can just grow a bunch of nice bacteria on your face. Petri dish, experiment. So, yeah, so either they work or they don't. And given the way that most people wear them, they don't. Uh, if you're going to wear an N95 and you wear a, a different one every single time you wear a mask and then you like throw it away and you don't touch it and do all the things you're supposed to do, then it would be, I guess, but nobody's doing that. Like, like 1% of the people who are masking are doing that. It's mostly just a cloth mask that's rarely washed or a collection of them that are rarely washed and they switch out which one. Yeah. So basically that doesn't work. Also, either the vaccine works or it doesn't, basically. So, 
here's the thing too. If it works and you get it, so <laughs> our friend Joe Biden said that if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. But his own like administration has said that's not true. But he's the president of truth. Never mind. So he said that if you get the vaccination, you won't get COVID, which is false. So you get the vaccination, okay, you get COVID. All right, supposedly it like reduces your symptoms, whatever. So, okay, you don't get it as badly as you did before. Okay, so if you are vaccinated, you get COVID and it's not as bad, then, then why do we care? Oh wait, because it's a variant and because it's, is the variant more dangerous? We don't know really, but we're just gonna, we're gonna play it safe because more lockdowns means more fun for everybody, right? So that's the thing too. If it, the vaccine either works for the variant or it doesn't. If it doesn't, then everybody's basically unvaccinated and you have to start over. So, um, yeah, and, you start, and then we're gonna start over with all the stuff that didn't work the first time, which, yeah, that, that seems great. So either it works against the variant or it doesn't. It either works against the virus or it, or it, or it doesn't. So if your symptoms are not as bad, if you get, if you get the vaccination, if you don't, get COVID as bad, then why are we so worried about people getting COVID if, like, we have, um, I think there is a majority of people vaccinated in the United States. So if people who are, like, why are people who are vaccinated worried about it if the vaccination supposedly works? If it works, <laughs> you shouldn't be scared. That's the thing that I, I don't understand. And you shouldn't be pressuring other people to make medical decisions. You are not a doctor and they can make their own decisions, okay? People can make their own decisions about their bodies that do not infringe on the rights of others. You do not have a right to <laughs> not receive any kind of bacteria from anybody. I'm not saying people should go around sneezing on each other. I'm not saying you should never wash your hands. Like, there are no guarantees in life. You cannot guarantee anything. And it's time for this culture to wake up and say memento mori, and start living life again because you can't lock down and mask and poke your way to a certainty that you won't die from corona or the common cold you just can't so we have to stop saying well this is over when we fully beat this when nobody's dying when man then we we haven't like the common cold kills so many people and we've never locked down for it. We've never done all the things that we, I mean, heck, we still don't even know how to cure the common cold. And this is something that's different and attacks different people differently, but different people are allowed to make their own medical decisions. It's like, yeah, you, you're, it's, it's not even close to the abortion debate because that is somebody else's body. The baby has a body and a right to life, and abortion infringes on that. And you, other people have a body and they have a right to life, and other people's existence does not infringe on that. Everybody else's existence does not infringe on your right to life. That's like saying there should be nobody else on the road because the chance that I could get in a car accident is just too great of a risk. Because guess what? Friends, you are way more likely to die in a car accident than you are of COVID. It's statistically testable if you want to look it up, your chances, okay? And you can be scared of whichever one you want, but I will probably be more scared of a car accident, especially with the chance that I took. And this is all stemming from a, a culture that just decided that they were going to forget that we're mortal. And guess what, guys? You're gonna die, I'm gonna die, we're all gonna die. And we either live afraid of it or we live knowing that each moment is precious and knowing that we can't live in fear. And that's what the culture has forgotten to do. It's just become a culture of fear because we they forgot that they are gonna die. And that's, that's why this is all so blown out of proportion. You can fall in whatever camp you want, but that's the real problem, is that people are afraid to die. 
<laughs> yeah, and it is it is tough, but if you have if you have the faith, if you if you know you have the truth, then you're not really afraid to die. <laughs> this might be a generational thing too, because I've I've had some people from older generations be like, man, yeah, well, don't you value me? Like, well, yeah, but I know it's gonna end. So, and it, when it ends, is not my decision. And when it ends, there's not gonna be anything stopping it. So, I'm not gonna be reckless, but I'm also not going to live my whole life in fear because of something that I know is gonna happen anyway. And that's gonna happen whenever it's allowed to happen. And guess what? Uh, I'm gonna save this story for another time. But when God doesn't want you to go, he won't let you go. So I think that's all that I really have to say, is that, you know, you, you just got to pick one at this point. Does a vaccine work or not? Does it work for the variant? Then, then why? I mean, it, <laughs> that's the kind of, that's the point of these whole, the, these viruses, right? Is that they're always um, changing and kind of, kind of adapting, maybe not quite as fast as others. Some, some do it a little more slowly, but if it's always going to be just evolving like that, then why was it, oh, just get this shot and then you're done or get these two shots and then you're done. That doesn't make any sense. So you, you have to be consistent in your approach. So either the masks work or they don't because you don't, there's no middle ground. They do or they don't. And you have to think of the way that most people wear them. The vaccine works um, for the variant and for this, and it lessens your symptoms, or it doesn't. If it does, then what are you afraid of? If it doesn't, then why did everybody get it? Um, and why is it still being pushed uh, all over the place? So if it doesn't work, why, why did you get it? If it does, then why are we trying to go back in, into lockdowns? And then, and if you are unvaccinated, or you're vaccinated, why do you, I mean, you shouldn't really care unless, you know, some, you can, you can carry the way, but you should not think that other people should be forced to follow what you are. And it, everybody can make their own medical decisions. Um, and you want to say, oh, well, they're not a doctor. Well, <laughs> all right, people make med like their own quote, medical decisions about what to feed themselves every day. And they're not the doctor. So we're just going to have like mandated nutrition now. That's, that's silly. I mean, people are gonna make decisions that maybe you think they shouldn't make. That doesn't mean you should mandate them not to. The state is not your babysitter. I don't know where that idea came from, but it's not. And you shouldn't treat it as such. The, pe the people is supposed to control the government, not the government controlling the people. So if you want, if you want that, uh, go ahead and, uh, go to some place that already has it because we don't want it here in the United States. And yeah, I'm just I'm just calling for, as far as the current events go, I'm calling for consistency. Definitely think about your opinions and the way that media is affecting you before you react to something because that's something I learned from the Simone Biles uh, controversy, that whole incident is just you, you kind of have to wait until um, weighing in because you don't have to weigh in immediately. Um, I think that's a product of the culture is we think we have to support or denounce something instantly. Um, and that was, that was not one of those things. That's not an inherent uh, good or evil thing. And it was apparent after more information came out that she really is struggling with some something that's very scary. And I think also that people tend to forget too that she suffered abuse at Larry Nassar's hands and he's a horrible, vile, disgusting man and that that will be <laughs> the subject of a hot take I'm sure about uh, what we should do with these kinds of people but yeah, I mean, she abused for years by this quote doctor that was paid by the USA gym Gymnastics team and Really, this abuse was probably like covered up. People turned blind eyes. People definitely knew, or at least 
sense that something was off and they didn't defend these athletes and that's something that we should definitely hold Team USA accountable for and something we should consider when thinking about gymnasts like Simone Biles because she is one of those people that experienced that and I mean that that will definitely take a toll on you and the twisties I don't know if that's related that's that's basically her private information but just that is something that's very scary so you don't have to weigh in on everything just at the moment but here's what you do have to do you do have to look you, you have to look at the night at the numbers at the statistics you have to look at things and see that it's not adding up and that the the push for the control again the push for lockdowns and stuff that never even worked the first time because we, we we did it once we have the data that shows that states who went into lockdowns usually had more deaths because overall COVID is actually transmitted when you're like living with somebody so what did we do we locked down we sent everybody home to where they could all transmit COVID to each other in the comfort of their own home isn't that nice so it's not the brief interactions with strangers that are going to get you so don't believe that lie that you should be scared of your fellow human beings i think we should stop being scared of each other and banding together because the powers that we're fighting against here ever everybody who doesn't have our great best interests in mind wants us scared and wants us afraid of each other Anybody who incites that kind of division, incites that that society where you're reporting your neighbor, where you're, you know, watching the every move of everybody else, and like, tr you know, trying to live in glass houses. We should look at people who are living in the houses with the bricks, instead of peering into each other's glass houses all the time. Who put us in the glass houses? Hmm. And I guess that's my <laughs> closing thought. Thanks for being here for my for my rant without Mary to <laughs> kind of rein me in. But that's our section of current events. We actually don't have too many updates on the multiproprio from a couple weeks ago. There's been very there's been very of course different approaches to it in the United States and beyond. Uh, I'll have a link to. A website that's actually tracking the decisions of bishops as they come out so you can see more where everybody falls but definitely to close just keep praying for our church for our world and don't be afraid to make a stand against <laughs> any any nonsense that you see happening and don't be afraid to wait to pick a side when something starts getting blown blown up all over the place because usually <laughs> the real situation is going to reveal itself a little later and not at the moment that everybody's tweeting about it. <laughs> and so there's your, there's your advice with your current events. I uh, hope you have a great week. If you have anything that you would like to add, uh, any hot takes, any stories, comments on the podcast, you can definitely email us at caritas.christy31 at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I wish you a happy Thursday and a great rest of your week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Caritas Christi. If you'd like to write to us with hot takes, feedback, advice, or advice requests, we would love to hear from you. Email us at caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. That's caritas.christi31 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next Thursday.